The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. With me in the studio, I have uh, filmmaker Lee Quincy. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. And we have uh, L-Man Jenny Foley. Hello. And we also have Hassan Godwin on the phone, right on the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Um, on this week's show, we have another Chris Wolseley's Chris Picks for Crackle. Uh, we have another Jay Bernalee with our very own Jay Bernalee, uh, our very, our very own Lee, which is right here. Um, and we have, uh, uh, oh, I have my interview with uh, comic creator Chris Grant, and I have my WinterCon wrap-up. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's Morphin Time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi That Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi, as well as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of. Celebrating over 25, 6, 7, 8 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for December the 16th, which is next week. For those of you listening to us live, tickets are on sale right now. Also, want to have our page uh, shoutouts for our patrons, of which there are Danny Grilla, Water Wing Director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portes, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin. Ray, Rosa, and the Huracan. You want to have your own little uh, shout out? Go to our website, www.camefornail.com, and there's a little button on there that takes you to right to our Patreon page. There we go. And <laughs> you can uh, get a shout out on our show. Also, on the It Came From the Radio website um, is my book, Designated. Uh, it's a book that took me 30 years to make. Uh, recently performed as a radio play in New York Comic Con. It's about two warring alien Winning. races fighting over a <laughs> newly discovered power source. Um, the war finds its way to planet Earth, and as a result, some humans gain abilities. Um, if you go on there right now, you can get um, the book for a discount. It's uh, 20% off for the holidays if you use uh, c- promo code NATASHA. And there's a little button on there to just make it easier for you to find. All right, so let's see. As always... Oh, I almost forgot. And we have the, uh, the the live show at the East Meadow Park Library, which is going to be on December the 13th. That's uh, this Wednesday coming up. Uh, at the East Meadow Park Library, that's www.eastmiddle.info. We're going to have uh, creator, writer, and illustrator Francis Bonet is going to be there on Wednesday the 13th. And he's going to be giving away uh, one of his books in a raffle. So you guys come on down there. It is free. Check out www.eastmiddle.info for more information. All right, so uh, we always start off with the sad news. Let's see what we got here. We have uh, two, three bits of sad news. So we have actress Frances uh, Steren... Okay, S-T-E-R-N-H-A-G-E-N. Frances Steringen uh, died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. In her over 60-year career, Frances appeared in a slew of movies and TV shows and is perhaps best known for her roles as Esther Clavin, which is Cliff's mom, on Cheers, and Booney McDougall on Sex in the City, uh, Mil- Millicent Carter, which is Noel Wiley's grandmother on ER, and Willie, J. Willie Ray Johnson, which is Kira Cedric's mom on the series The Closer. And Irene Repler, one of the final five survivors in the Thomas Jane film The Mist. 
to name a few. If you remember, she was one of the, uh, the people at the end of the movie in the car. She was the, the, the older lady. That was I don't know if you can actually fairly call her a survivor. Um, I didn't, if anyone's I didn't, seen The Mist. Oh, there we okay. go. Well, okay. that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> the, the, movie's, uh, the movie's old enough. Huh? And, and you, don't know who, <laughs> you don't know who she is until you see her. It's like, oh, well, that was her. See? I think I have to see her. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember. Uh, she was 93 years old. If you purse your lips together and then you have water in your mouth and you like spit kind of, you'll actually create a mist. And I did that over my entire third grade class, and it was one of the funniest things ever by accident because someone made me laugh when I water my mouth. And I've got I put a mist over the entire class that was sitting below me. Is that really fun? That's, that's terrible. <laughs> Maybe for you, not the <laughs> yeah. people receiving the mist. Yeah, I was a little embarrassed. <laughs> so moving on for some more sad news. The mist. Um, actress Andrea Friedman also died recently from complications of Alzheimer's disease. While Andrea had a few TV roles, she was perhaps best known for her role as Amanda, the girlfriend and later wife of the character Corky Charles uh, Thatcher on the TV show Life Goes On for two seasons on ABC, which ran from 1989 to 1993. Um, of note, there was a 48-minute documentary about her life, A Possible Dream, the Andrea Friedman story premiered in 2009. Uh, she had Down syndrome, and that was one of the biggest things about the show. Um, that it was about a, a first person ever who was on a star, who was starring on a show that had Down syndrome back then, if you remember that. Yeah, I remember the show. I just never really watched it. But yeah. I, thought, I thought she was just really tired. That's, that's terrible. That's not <laughs> oh, you, did you watch that show back <laughs> in the day? No, I did not. It was popular, though. It was, a lot of people it were talking about popular. it. It was very popular, yes. I, I remember it distinctly. It was just something I just never watched. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so that was. So she was 53 years old. Oh. Yikes. And for the last bit of sad news, we have producer Norman Lear also died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Norman had a hand in the creation of over 100 different shows during his career. Most famously would be All in the Family, Maud, Sanford and Son, One Day at a Time, The Jeffersons, and Good Times, just to name a few. Of note, Norman is in the record books for creating the most spinoff shows from one series, All in the Family, uh, made the spinoff which was Maud which spun off Good Times All in the Family also spun off The Jeffersons which also spun off Checking In which was a show wow. with uh, The Maid oh, yeah. she had her own show um, All in the Family also uh, made Archie Bunker's Place That's right. All in the Family also made Gloria which was about the daughter wow. right. and then All in the Family also made 704 Hauser which was uh, starring John Amos hmm. as the person who lived in the same house I think it came out in the 90s if I'm not mistaken. Um, And then uh, recently they did the live in front of a studio audience presented by Norman Lear where they took some of the old shows and they recast and re-performed live. Yeah, Hmm. did they film that here in Grumman, I think, or the Beth Page or something like that? It was the old... I know it was was in Long Island. I believe so, but I can't... Hmm. I cannot swear to it. One of the most influential, influential, you know, writers or creators of, of... all the uh, you know just television right i yeah. mean like all in the family the jeffersons mm-hmm. it's unbelievable what he came out with mm-hmm. yeah know? it was this one guy that did all that how do you think he came up with all this do you think he was channeling it from a higher power or do you think it was all his idea i i've always said and and this usually is because of the sci-fi stuff that sure. people were doing a lot of stuff back then uh-huh. and they were able to come up with some crazy ideas mm-hmm. because you right. know you pull stuff out of the air and like yeah. wow what, what do they come up with these ideas yeah. i think there was there was some stuff going on yeah interesting. um because i always look at the night rider which right. was by glenn a larson one another right. big creator, but not as big as norman and um the original night rider had all these cool different things that a car couldn't do back then yes. but when they tried to bring back night rider mm-hmm. yeah it did all the exact same things which 
all the cars do now. Like, <laughs> oh what, my God. what was new? What was different? Oh, right, interesting. Right. I, I, that was, that's just my oh, personal so Mark theory. Like kind of channeled the future that's, that's or made it happen. Yeah. Probably for Night Rider. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. For, I mean, for, you know, Norman Lee. Out with of curiosity, all, though. Yes, Hassan? And, and Mark can't answer this question. <laughs> I know Mark knows the answer. All right. How many seasons of Night Rider were there? <laughs> I don't know. I was riding out my life. I have to be there. No. <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't, yeah, I don't know how many. I know they did one with Val Kilmer at one point. With oh, the that reboot, was the new, right? that was a new Night Rider. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Val Kilmer's the man. That was a brand new. Yeah. I'm talking about the Hasselhoff, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I don't yes. know. I don't know. 400. That show only lasted four seasons. That show was only on for four years. Well, it's mm-hmm. a guy riding in a However, car. <laughs> However, yes. Launch Baywatch. However, it's it's like it's the same. It lasted the same amount of time as I think the Dukes of Hazard. Correct. Okay. And yet everybody believes that Knight Rider was on for a decade. <laughs> really? Syndication. It's like the strangest thing. <laughs> Who's if everybody? You, if you actually ask, like like average Gen Xers, they they believe that show was on for like the all of the eighties. It only lasted four really? years, but that's how that's. That's the indelible mark it, it left on Actually, society. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like Heather's, like Heather's was made once, and you know how many times I watched it and told people to watch it, and I'm even making an edit <laughs> of Heather's <laughs> now in 2023. Well, I think it's the theme song. The, the that, whole that also the helped, whole intro yeah, that yeah. kind of made that go, you know. But, but well, yeah. also speaking of theme songs, they had some memorable theme songs for Norman Lear's uh, stuff. And that theme, yeah. that theme song was stolen actually from that's a 19 um, that's in that's a 1909. World War One anthem. Really, I don't know. Da, 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 da. It's actually stolen. Wait, the yeah, yeah, he didn't steal it, but he used it right, he, because he he, when the guy was writing it. <laughs> wait a second. Wait, I'm sorry. There's yeah, a lot of synchronicity going on. You're saying it was it was a theme from what? A what? It's, ni- it's a 1941 military anthem. That's is a theme coming into my not, life a lot. Me, 19, 1909 military anthem. Wow. Okay. Thank huh? you. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Norman. Yeah, I know a little too much about Knight Rider. I agree, but <laughs> wow, I think it's, yeah, the but military it's just kind of funny that it didn't last very long at right. all, yes. and yet it's it it won't go away. <laughs> you know, you can't really mm. seem to get rid of it. That's mm. all right. Fair enough. But uh, Norman uh, <laughs> was a hundred and one years old. Right. He, he passed the hundred year mark. So. Unbelievable! I watched so many of those shows. Yeah, like growing he up, he got a like, letter. Yeah, I mean, I watched like I yeah. watched everything that he did. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I always what, got back from school or something, watched like Good Times or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't get away from it. You really couldn't get away from his work back yeah. in the day. Even that, like that opening for Good Times and the and the artwork on that. Oh yeah, is like the yeah. most incredible. Exactly. I, I was like always hoping to mm-hmm. get like my hands on that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just to have it. It, it really like he was. There's not going to be another one like him. Like, there's people who can make shows, but nobody right. can make that many shows. And also, they were very controversial at the time. Well, that's like, the thing, the subject, man. Yeah. So it wasn't like uh, it was just like you know, fluff. It was really good, yeah. and and it was funny. So like he was, right. he managed to make entertaining, and political, and all that stuff at the time when it was at the height. Right, because it was during that time of like civil rights yeah. and you know just kind of like any kind of like political strife and and just racist, and, you know that kind of racism, yeah. that kind of stuff. It just ta- yeah, tackled a lot things. of topics. And it's just uh, just wild. It is just <laughs> wild. And like I said, he managed to make it to a hundred and one. So wow. All right, so yes, he got a letter. <laughs> yes, he did get a letter. So and he's that, in the flow. He spent a lot of time probably in the flow, which was a great place to be in life. So that's that's cool. Congrats to you on one hundred and one. Hopefully, you were in the flow the whole time. 
So that's it for the sad news. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey, this is Lee from the podcast Jaybird and Lee, and I wanted to let you know about the Blue Eye Screenplay Contest. Go to filmfreeway.com and submit your script. 15 pages and under for a chance to win $150, a Zoom table read with a talented cast of actors, and an interview on It Came From The Radio. Submit any genre, including horror, action, drama, or comedy. Find the Blue Eye Screenplay Contest on filmfreeway.com or even find us on Facebook. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to my boys on It Came From The Radio. Step into the fantastic world of cool kids' comics and toys at 2055 Hempstead Turnpike, East Meadow, New York. Discover Comic-Con exclusives, the latest Funko Pops, and a treasure trove of new and vintage toys and comics. Whether you're a collector or a first-time visitor, we got something to spark your imagination over here. Visit Cool Kids Comics and Toys today. Let your venture begin, huh? Hey, ghoulies, this is Demon Boy, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Hi, this is Amy Jo Johnson, writer-director from the film The Space Between, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. BKG Productions, LLC, your ultimate audio transformation partner. Got audio that needs a magic touch? I am here to elevate your content, specializing in professional audio editing. I can clean up background noise, plosives, and pesky S sounds, from podcasts to songs. I've got you covered, whether it's an interview, music track, setting volumes to precise specs. Email bkgbobiz at gmail.com or go to fiber.com, search for BK Graves 1, and trust me to make your sound sparkle. This is Carrie Steller from In the Girls' Corner, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From the Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with Elman Jenny Feldy in the studio. So great to see you. The Lee of, of Jay Bird and Lee, filmmaker <laughs> Lee Kalinsky. Yes, that's me. You gotta write this down. Yeah. And Hassan Gawain, who's the man on the side on the phone. Hassan. Greetings. <laughs> so, uh, as we go with regular news, let's, let's go right into it. Uh, from the one strike and you're out follow-up department. Uh-oh. The new contract has been ratified. And while reports are saying that it had a 78.33% majority approval for the, for the contract, what's interesting to note is that there was only a 38.15% turnout, which means that the majority of the union did not even bother to vote and only 29.88% of the entire union approves of the contract. Go! So to mm. put the numbers out there, the, the, the union, the, stri- the strike, uh, the actors uh, guild, has about 160,000 members. So out of that, 61,000 members actually voted. And the majority is 47,812 people. And 112 Eleven thousand, no, one hundred and twelve thousand two hundred and 
112,188 people did not vote. Majority. So that's so right. weird how you can take the numbers, you can move stuff around, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, we, we, we won. We got a majority of the vote for the contract to be ratified. Wow. But it right. really wasn't. Wow. If you think about it, it's like all those people who were in the union didn't follow the vote at all. So and we've been talking about how it's, uh, there's been a vocal pushback on how the contract was not good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And here we are that the majority doesn't want, doesn't want <laughs> it. Right off, no, but if you, you know, the majority of people didn't vote, so we don't know if they wanted it or not. It just knows exactly. they did not vote. Yeah. Right. So the people who did vote, those majority of the people who voted wanted the contract. It's so weird if you mm, think about wait. it. Hey, it's what? <laughs> right, right. The majority of the... W- majority it's like, it's of like the people third. who voted. Isn't it like 29% was so number thrown out there? 47, so basically... 47,000 people out uh-huh. of 160,000 people voted. And I think you said twenty nine percent in there, right? So twenty nine percent is a third. So twenty nine percent of the entire. Right. So basically a third. Basically a third. You know, uh, a little under thirty three point three percent. A third voted, and out of the third, right? Is this right? Uh, voted for. So the right, the third of the entire one hundred sixty. Sounds like a racket. (laughs) Sounds like fraud. (laughs) Fraud. Fraud? Well, I mean, that's this is how voting works. Uh, yes. How is that fraud? Well, it, it, because you can push fraud. people that have like you know it's certain interests to vote more. Like the people who are really in on it will vote, and if you're more in on it, then you're gonna get your thing done. Whereas the people who are just hopeless, like me, if I was in SAG, I just you know I've been hopeless honestly until recently. What? I've just been like, what's what, what's gonna happen? The world's crumbling. I've kind of been pretty negative. So I, maybe I wouldn't vote. You know, so maybe because of, you know, a lack of faith in the voting system in general, maybe right. people weren't voting. So maybe the people who had an agenda were up to something. Those are the people who voted. That's my theory. So as a Everybody, <laughs> well, maybe some of them. Everyone has an agenda. Right. Agenda. The, the, the word agenda, agenda. Is, is often misused because everybody's got an agenda. When you leave your house to go to the supermarket, you have an agenda. So, I mean, others. if you're not going to vote, if you're not going to vote, that's not fraud. If people are convinced that they can't get anything by not voting, yeah, or by voting, that's well, not, not fraud, really fraud. But, um, that's, I mean, that's a lack of faith in the system. Yes, yes, yes. You can't call that fraud. No, not fraud. But I guess something's a mess. You know what yeah, I mean? Something, something's, something's a, a mess. little. That's, I use I, I use hyperbole. Well, so that was not right. I agree with that. I just yeah, I yeah, just yeah, think yeah. people are convinced that they can't. You know that that, that they have no part right? in the changes that exactly. happen around them. And I don't know whose fault that is. I mean, I, and I'm not yeah. saying that. Well, I'm not saying that any of you do, but I'm just saying I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that started. Right. But it can also but be. If, um, it can also be active actors, right? Like you could be a member and just not care. You know, not mm-hmm. not doing work anymore, <laughs> exactly. right? So, like, if you're a character actor and you're only making like two grand a year <laughs> anyway, like, right. does it make a difference for exactly. you to vote? You know, exactly. so that's like. You know what kind of percentage are really active members in the in true, the first place true. that that's are really point. out there doing the work? Right, you know, right. so right. it it begs the question: What was the point of the whole <laughs> strike if only these many yeah, people? Yeah, that's, the, that's what you right. don't know, right? Right. You're sure not going to get anything from it if you don't participate in it. Right. You know, no matter how no matter how skewed uh, uh, against you the percentages are, and I and I agree that the low man on the totem pole always gets messed over. Always, 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 and it, and most of it isn't fair. But if you if you choose not to participate at all, you're not going to get anything. That's just that that's the only guarantee. Is if you don't play, you're never going to get any of the winnings. Got to be in the game to win. So, right. 
So yeah, you're, you're a filmmaker. Yeah. You're a filmmaker, Lee. So yeah. what, what is what is your thoughts on how this whole came out? Like you've done you've done both Union yeah, and Non. Yeah, I mean, right? I really want to tell, tell us. us. Tell us. <laughs> Look, I don't really Help know us. how like well Leader. you know <laughs> you know the percentages because it's all data related, right? Like you don't know like who's really active, who's not. Is it really? Yes, there's an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to get. I don't know what's exactly in the contract, so. That's the other thing. So if you're like multiplying somebody in many different movies, <laughs> right. you know, and creating the AI, oh my God. you know, who's it? Uh, who's it? You know, it, I mean, it hurts somebody like a Brad Pitt, right? You know, but does it hurt like? Yeah. Well, they have their own contracts. It's not right. Even... They have their right. So do they care? You know, like they how much? Yeah. yeah. How much of it do they care? Is it more of the mm-hmm. guys who are like the extras, the day to day guys right. who are on set? Background. You know, background. You know, supporting. You yeah, know, so. probably. Like, those are the people that you kind of really try to look out yeah, for. Yeah, same. You know, so, I mean, hmm. it's, yeah, again, I, I, if you don't know the data of how many people are really, you know, active and voting, you know, or want to vote, but just feel like, yeah, disgruntled workers, right? <laughs> like, it's kind of like unemployment, you know? You don't know. <laughs> you know? It's, it's crazy. I think it's just a whole, it just boggles my mind how, on one hand, that small amount were the one that actually voted. Right. But yeah. it's if you look at the the news and the, and the way the reporting is like, oh, the majority of right. the union right. said, yeah, we right. won, we beat the studios, we did this. I'm like, well, not really. Not really. That's not what really happened. Technically, technically, that's not wrong. No, he did. They did get a majority of the voters. Right. That's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Voting popular. Right. right. But right. they don't. They don't. They don't go into that. They yes. just say. They got the majority. Yeah, right. we won. Yeah, right. woohoo! And who's like, we? Like a third of you guys? Right. Like a third of your crew? A third of your crew was responsible for the winnings? Is right. that who's responsible? But you, had the oppor- you had the they, opportunity. Right. Right? You they, had yeah. the opportunity to vote, right? You had the opportunity. You know, it's like an election, right? You <laughs> right. had the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. You don't do it. You don't do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the last election, yeah. a lot of people lost faith in voting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, you know, that sentiment infiltrated this this part. This thing. I think it's it's a lot of stuff that went into a this, and I and I and I'm like. Were all the people who were actually on strike and protesting, are those the people that actually voted? Like, what about, you know, everybody's just, I'm not going to go out there right. and strike. I'm going to go, you know, right. make, make a living doing something else until whatever's resolved, whatever it is, I don't care. Right. Just give me my check, my royalty, whatever it comes right. in, what comes in. Right, you get yeah. your royalty, <laughs> you keep your dues up so you can get your, you know, 10, 20 films to watch for the Academy <laughs> Awards and vote on that. That's, like, what kind that's, of vote, you know? That's also mm. something else that they get, they do get the, the ability to watch the movies, Yay! all the movies for free. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like, oh, I'm just keeping it up, but I'm still like, you know, working as a, you know, in the gym, you know, or a trainer, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, sort of it's crazy. All right. So moving on from the, ready, Brian? That's a lot of nuts! Department. Yeah. The new Beyonce concert film has taken the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in $21.8 million in ticket sales in its first week of release, beating out the new Hunger Games prequel, which came in at number two with $14 million in its third week of release, and the new Godzilla film, which came in at number three with $11.4 million in its first week of release. For those of you keeping track, Barbie is still the highest grossing film of this year with $636.2 million, followed by the Super Mario Brothers with $574.9 million. So unless some surprise film comes out in the next uh, couple weeks, which uh, Aquaman 2 is the only movie that's being considered as a major contender, Barbie is the queen of 2023. So yay for Barbie. Uh. Very cool. I know Hassan didn't see it. I haven't seen it. Jen, you. I would like you to see it. And I, I would like to hear what it. you think about it. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on Barbie. All right, Hassan saw half of it. Which okay. half? The first half or the last half? Half of it. Oh. I saw the first half. First oh, half. Thoughts? Okay. There's no reason whatsoever why I didn't finish it. I just <laughs> got distracted. 
and watch something else, but I will finish it. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay. And you, so you I don't have... know whether I like it or not, because I only okay, saw half okay, of it. Okay, yeah. And you haven't seen it, right? I have not seen it. Okay. okay. I hear good things, though. <laughs> it was really uplifting. It was actually it was actually the only movie I think I saw in a year or two or three, and it was so uplifting. I actually shed a tear, and I just jokingly, I took a picture because, you know, Kevin Smith, I think, like he yeah, takes, Kevin Smith always he takes cries, pictures yeah. of him crying. Oh. So I'm like, yo, I'm crying in a movie theater. I'm gonna, you know, do this. I'm gonna see what Kevin Smith does. So I took a picture <laughs> and video of me crying. It's like so. It's just like very positive. It's very positive. And so, so Z, this is actually. I, I actually haven't heard any bad things about it. So no, I mean, right. you know, I'm actually looking forward to finishing it. Nothing. After the movie came out, the bad press went away because everybody was talking about it beforehand. Oh. You know, trying to to get it down, but it Morons. the movie did its job. Yeah. It got they got people to go see it and right. it performed and people went to see it again and again and again. Yeah. But just as we see right here, there's four of us here, right, right. Yeah. and only one person went to see it. So yeah. therefore, the voting, which is paying with the dollar, yep. the majority, <laughs> yep. you got it. And I only saw it because my mom suggested it. See? That's the only reason I go. saw it. I said, "I'll see a movie with you." Okay. She seems excited, so I'm like, "Okay, okay, well, I'll do it." Is it streaming now? Uh, really it's know. probably. I think it's streaming now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's on uh, it's on iTunes. Okay, I want to hear all so you, you guys. Yeah, I, hear I think it. at this point you still have to buy it. You still have to purchase it. Oh, it's it's kind of worth it. You know me. You know, for some <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on. Yeah, but you don't admit that though. <laughs> That's the thing. Well, Mark That's Connors. what you don't do. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on. The last bit of news from the yeah, that's not going to cut it department. According to the experts, based on the advanced tracking data, the new Aquaman sequel is projected to open around just $40 million over the four-day holiday weekend, which is December 22nd to December 25th. Um, to put things into perspective, average. the first Aquaman opened at $97.8 million for the very same holiday weekend way back in 2018. For those of you not paying attention, or care for that matter, the sequel had been planned, had been plagued with delays, poor test screenings, three rounds of reshoots, a company head change, a studio direction change, a pandemic, and then there was that whole Amber Heard thing with Johnny Depp. So I wonder how that affects how this movie's going to play out, and hopefully if it's any Yeah, good. but they're not going to... That's the problem with all the horse trading. No one's going to say that. No one's going to throw all those factors in... And, and and spin it around and say that there's you know there there are extenuating circumstances to the quote unquote low box office of this particular film. They're just going to say, oh, the superhero genre is over and movies are over and you know everything is over. It's a, you know it's a, it's an apocalypse of, at the movie theater, <laughs> and that's all they're going to say about it. And then the DC brand is even more damaged than the MCU brand. But they're not going to. They're, they're going to ignore the maybe almost a year and a half that everybody spent in their houses that basically changed everyone's perspective on public gathering. Mm -hmm, right. You know, mm -hmm. that's and it. That's it. That very few industries have come out of the pandemic yes. intact. You know, Preach. so but you know, uh, that's that's just kind of the the narrative that everyone yeah. wants to spin is that yeah, it's you know, all this stuff is ending, and it's because of you know of, uh, all kinds of you know, factors that have nothing to do with reality. So mm -hmm. we're almost out of time. So you want to have a final thought on that real quickly with 30 seconds mm -hmm. or less, Lee? Oh, yeah. You would think it would be like a big time winner just for the, you know, holiday season in a way, right? I mean, even though you might have superhero fatigue, you still got to go see something, you know? Jen, final thought? Uh, quickly identify and avoid bad people. Quickly identify and, you know, be, be close to good people. So my final thought is this. If you remember when Avatar came out, we had a giant snowstorm and they oh. did not make the money and then it became one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Oh. So everybody listening to us live will be back next week. 
No, he already had. He, we're out of time. <laughs> oh, sorry, son. So, <laughs> so everybody else, stay tuned for more. It came from the radio. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hey, It Came From The Radio fans. It's Chris Wolsey, the king of streaming, back with another edition of what is popping on Crackle this month. Well, we have got a ton of great titles for you this month. Um, obviously, we are neck deep in the holidays right now, and so we've got a bunch of great holiday films for you. Uh, we've got a great holiday rom-com. This is a Chicken Soup for the Soul original uh, called A Cowboy Christmas. And, you know, these movies are very formulaic, but the formula works for a reason. Um, and so this is about a, a city-loving, high-powered executive, female executive who descends on a Canadian dude ranch in order to corral her next big client, but instead she finds her heart lassoed by a small town country loving cowboy. Uh, it stars uh, Tegan Vicente from A Million Little Things and Brennan uh, Martin from Outlander. It's super cute. It's exactly what you're looking for in a holiday rom-com. Uh, beautiful vistas, uh, cowboys, horses, snowfields, whole nine yards. It's great. Um, we've got another really cute holiday rom-com. This is called Hats Off to Christmas, and this is about a small-town uh, hat shop employee played by Haley Duff, uh, of course, from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, and she believes that she is being promoted to management, and come to find out, she is being asked to train the owner's son for the position she thought she was going to get. Uh, the son is played by Antonio Cupo from Bomb Girls. Very cute. Um, Haley Duff is wonderful as always. Uh, check this one out. Now, uh, if you need a good tearjerker, we've got a great one for you. Uh, this is called A Dog Named Christmas. <coughs> Excuse me. And this is a Hallmark Hall of Fame title uh, about a disabled boy who talks his family and then his entire community into adopting all of the dogs in the local pound over the holiday season. Uh, it's super cute. Played uh, uh, The dad is played by Bruce Greenwood from Star Trek. Uh, Linda, Linda Edmond uh, from Only Murders in the Building is in this. Uh, Noel Fisher from Twilight Breaking Dawn. Uh, tons of stars. It is a beautiful, beautiful holiday movie. Um, I also loved, and in the same realm of tearjerkers, we have Christmas for a dollar. Um, this is a period piece, uh, a Depression-era widow, and his family shows their community the true meaning of Christmas with only a single dollar. It's really sweet. Um, Brian Krause from Charmed, uh, Nancy Stafford from Matlock. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, that really does talk about the true meaning of Christmas and generosity. Um, it's great. And then finally, I love uh, the, the, A Christmas Carol, one of my favorite uh, stories of all time, obviously. It's a holiday classic. Well, this is an American Christmas Carol. So this is a retelling of Charles Dickens' holiday classic. Um, and it is starring Henry Winkler from Arrested Development, as well as Happy Days, for those of you who are a little older. Um, David Wayne from the Andromeda Strain, 
uh, a bunch of celebrities in this, but it's a really cool modern retelling of the uh, Victorian classic. Uh, so check that out again. Uh, this has been a Chris's pick for what is uh, cooking on Crackle. And um, thanks so much for having me. It came from the radio fans, and I look forward to coming back and letting you know what we're going to have next month. So we'll talk soon. Happy holidays. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official Libre Gabalcon. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. And I just want to have my quick thoughts on the WinterCon, which happened on December the 2nd and the 3rd. Uh, I know our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, has a plethora of interviews that we're going to be uploading to our show as time keeps moving along. Plus, there are tons of pictures already on our Facebook page from the event. And there will be more uh, coming soon that I have to put up my pictures that I took as well. It was a uh, good fan for uh, old and new uh, sci-fi fans. They had the um, the new Uhura, Celia Rose Gooding, as the headliner. Uh, she was there. And I was lucky enough to, do, uh, to moderate two panels at the convention. So I got to moderate the panel on Sunday with actor Spencer Wilding and Femi Taylor. For those of you who don't know, Femi Taylor was the uh, slave... Alien, I forget uh, what, uh, what type of alien she was, apologies for you fans out there, in uh, Jabba the Hutt's Palace, and she was the one that they brought back to reprise her role in the special edition. And she was, she was a dancer first, and then she uh, became an actress for that for that role. She was actually uh, one of the uh, originators of Cats on, on the, the Broadway play. So I had, uh, I had a, a panel with her and Spencer Wilding, who uh, does many... Um, uh, creatures in a, in a movies. Most famously, he played uh, Darth Vader in Rogue One, and he also did Kilowog on the Green Lantern movie. He was in Guys in Galaxy. He was in the the, uh, the Dungeon of Dragon. Movie. He was in tons of stuff. So um, I had a, a panel with the two of them, which was really cool. And I also was lucky enough to do the Galaxy Quest panel. I moderated that panel as well, which had actresses uh, Missy actresses actress Missy Pyle. Um, who I know most famously uh, as uh, Alexandra from Josie and the Pussycats. And every time I see her in a role, I'm like, hey, it's, 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 it's that girl, Alexandra. So I managed to bring that up at the panel. We had Daryl Chill Mitchell, who um, I was a fan of when he was on Ed, uh, the TV show with Tom Cavanaugh, who was uh, most recently in the Flash TV series as uh, Professor Wells. Um, they had Patrick Breen and Jed Reese as well. And I believe uh, Jed was in the movie uh, Men with Brooms, one, uh, one, a very popular Canadian film starring, uh, written and, and, and starring the lead from one of my favorite TV shows of all time, Due South, and also starring Leslie Nielsen. So I remember when I was working at Blockbuster, I just had to watch that movie. And um, 
So it was really cool having on the panel and Daryl, Chill uh, Mitchell, as, as he is uh, lovingly called, he owned that, uh, that panel. He was really funny, he's really engaging, and I, I remember when I asked him about you know, how they got the roles, he was like, I was hired to be black, and I was a black guy, so I just thought he owned it, and he was really funny, really entertaining. And I, I think it's recorded somewhere. Maybe it was just a closed captioning, but I, I really hope that they managed to record the two panels that I did. But at very least, there are tons of pictures on the Facebook page. Also, I want to thank um, Frank, uh, Pat, and Dana Velez for uh, giving us the, uh, the full access because we had the press passes for the event. We've known them for many years. And if you were a fan of uh, a lot of these guys, you had great access to the uh, the cast members. I said there was Lex and there was a Farscape as well. It was uh, Sylvester McCoy from Doctor Who. So if you were a fan of sci-fi and, um, and and old shows and new shows, this was the place to be. You got really good access to talk to them, talk to the fans. Uh, I mean, talk to the celebrities. You got a whole bunch of cosplayers, a lot of uh, great um, events. Um, booths that I saw, some really cool things. So make sure you guys go to the next uh, WinterCon. It'll be well worth the trip. And that is me signing off, and we'll be back with more. It came from the radio. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, get Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about the movie, The Mummy. Starring Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe. Not the, movie, not the mummy with uh, Brendan Fraser. The one that freaked you out many, many years ago with the bug going that, the That's the one I thought you were watching originally. Yeah. So when my wait, dad wait, goes, what bug? So I, I ask my parents, well, my dad, what he's watching, and he goes, The Mummy, and I'm like, I'm like, didn't, I was like, the one we watched all that time ago. I freaked out because there was, as a kid, a bug went into the... Into ew, the guy's ew, skin. Ew, ew, he ew, went ew, into ew, his ew, skin ew, and ew, it was ew. crawling all over him. And I think it went out... He was up eating his, him. Yeah, it was eating him and it went up to his brain or something, and then maybe came out of his eyeball later on or something. Yeah. Anyways, wait, 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 did we go through his, his insides got in... in uh, I don't know if it went through. It might have gone in. Wait, was it on a wall like the bug? Like and he was it, trying, scraping yeah. them off because he thought they were diamonds or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I saw that part one was of that. so scary. Okay, that was bad. I never forgot that movie. That one freaked me out. Do you want to watch it again? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, what do you think of the Tom Cruise mummy? This one was good. Yeah. No, no. I liked it. I uh, liked seeing Tom Cruise in a different role than. He was kind of a jerk he, in this movie. Exactly. Right? It was great, and he was funny. That's he, not. Yeah. Like normally he's not that funny. It was it was this was a good role. It was a good one. I was and expecting I like... him to be more like oh I'm the hero type thing, but no, it was great. He was like why do I have to? He was like he was like why do I have to? Make I didn't like Tom Cruise like... in this one. I think my favorite guy was a guy that played uh, that other Spider Man and Spider Man into the the one uni- that had the uh, into the across the universe. No, it's into. It's not across. It's like into the Spider Verse or something. Oh okay yeah there was a, I forgot his name but. um... 
think he, he was like that other Spider-Man. He got electrocuted by uh, Miles Morales and stuff. He was he was the uh, Peter Parker that had the baby in the last one, right? Baby. Didn't he have a baby? He was walking around with a baby. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so you like you like the comic relief of the movie. That yeah. was basically what. No, it that did. was good because it wasn't like scary, scary. It well, was... I didn't like that weird lady, the, the mummy. The mummy. I actually then, really like, liked her. I have I a question: Was she, she like was... sucking people's like blood or something? No, she was sucking their soul. She was taking their soul out, so she would go and like put her mouth on top of somebody else's mouth and then suck all the soul, soul, the life out of that person. And yeah. Then why they turn Rickley into like zombies? Well, I think some of them turned into zombies and some of them died, I think. Well, some of them died. It depends on how much you took out, I think. Yeah, probably. You know, so what was this kind of about, really? Like, Tom Cruise was kind of a a treasure hunter looking for, not really the mummy, just jewels, right? And then he kind of discovered the mummy. I still didn't like the movie. I don't That's not... I like the. I honestly, I liked it. I don't know. I thought it was good, too. I mean, you can't tell me that airplane scene. They're all in this airplane... And that, like, it starts to crash, you know, and how cool the visual was of the of the actors, like, going, kind of, like, going up and down on the in the plane, yeah. falling all over the place, and trying to get, you know, figure out how to, how to get, like, to safety. Not even just that, though. Like, I loved what, you know the guy who played John Nash? Yeah, he, he, Russell Crowe, right? Yeah, he's, oh, he's awesome. that's that's what he's. Yeah, he's cool. He's so like that. He played that role so well. Yeah, he was, I, he, that was a great. He was like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind of yeah. character, right? You know, it was great. That was Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You don't know Doctor. You neither one of you know Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. You never heard of that story. You, know, you never showed me. I mean, well, you told me. I know there was a guy. I know there was a guy uh, in Scooby Doo that was like the ghost of Mister Hyde. Yeah, so it's like Dr. Jekyll was like a guy who was looking for a serum to like, I think, make his life better or make himself better. Kind of like a, not a superhero, but then like the thing went wrong and, it, and, a, and a new personality came out, Mr. Hyde, and the Mr. Hyde would like kill people. Oh, so it's sort of like Two-Face a little Whoa. bit, except like one part of him. But it wasn't, but like he needed a serum to like hide Mr. Hyde. So like he had to, That's like, what he did with the, that's what uh, Russell Crowe did pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, trying to keep the bad guy part away, you know. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then the bad guy turns into a bad guy, and you know that's what it is. It was that I loved that part. He was he's such a good, he's so good at acting. Oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, he's very he's good. Great. Like, I think he's one of my favorite actors now. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, you saw him in Gladiator. Gladiator, that was a good movie with him. Yeah, and you just saw the uh, Beautiful Mind with him. That was. Oh, good. that was awesome. Yeah, that was very good. It was sad, but it was good. Oh, you watched it too? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, I didn't realize you watched it. You know, that's so funny. I didn't realize that uh, you guys watched that. Yeah, Russell Crowe's been in a ton of films. But anyway, did you like... So you you didn't like the movie. I liked it. Which one were we talking about? The The Mummy. Mummy. Oh, yeah, I didn't like that. You didn't like it? But you liked it? No, I liked it. All right, until next time. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. This is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe. And I am here at Cradlecom, and I am with It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. Um, I am pleased to have our special guest today. I'm talking to uh, Carissa Grant of Worthy Chaos. Hey, hi, Carissa. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, it is our pleasure, because we love the independent creator, and you are definitely 
an independent creator. You're you're such an independent creator. You're almost mainstream. That's how close you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's good logic there. I like it. <laughs> um, one thing I noticed is that you put out a new book consistent on a consistent schedule, despite the fact that it's on crowdfunder, you act like you're a real company. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then we can go into what the Worthy the Chaos series is. Uh, yeah, people get very jealous and I told them if, uh, if they want to go into debt, they can do it too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, I, my story is already written. I wrote it with, uh, my co-writer, um, and we have a hundred plus issues already written and 45 is this series. Um, and my artist is exceptionally fast and he actually, this was his first paid job when I was seven paid jobs. Um, but, uh, so he quit his job to do this. Um, and I'm just lucky that he was an amazing talent that um, no one yet discovered. Uh, so I have an incredibly fast, incredibly talented artist, um, a husband that doesn't mind debt, and here we are. So, yeah. You mentioned debt twice. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that the, the, the um, Kickstarter is now covering everything but merch. And the only reason why it's not covering merch is because I buy everything. I am the queen of merch. That has been my name um apparently uh told by many um so yeah i'm a queen of words but it pays for the artist and that's all i care about so i'm so happy with that that's an interesting aspect i mean i've spoken to many creators over the years and i've seen tons of kickstarters who i haven't spoken to and i've heard many horror stories about crowdfunding in general why do you think it is such a difficulty for people to fulfill or why do you think they're not ready to do a kickstarter you know, I've talked to a couple of new, and I still consider myself new, even though yesterday was my one year. Um, but <laughs> yay! <laughs> it feels like it should be longer and less time at the same time. Um, a lot of them are like they have a product, uh, and they're scared for whatever reason. I don't know if they're scared or failing. And I keep telling them, you have nothing to lose because if you don't fund, you don't pay. So just go. I've convinced two to go on um, since I've started because I'm just like, listen, you're. You're already you already got a product. You go on Kickstarter, and if it doesn't fund, then you didn't lose. You got nothing to lose. Um, as for not funding, you know, I think I just beg louder. Than most people, <laughs> um, you know, I've been on a hundred and I don't know thirty. It was supposed to be one hundred and thirty-five podcasts, um, but now since I had a couple cancel and a couple, of, so around one hundred and thirty podcast interviews since I started. Um, that is my only outlet. Um, amazing people like you that give me a chance to talk are my greatest outlet because yeah, cons are okay. I, I hate cons, but I know, <laughs> you know cons for other people work. I love talking to fans, but uh, I don't like trying to, um, you know, call people over and and uh, just pitch over and over again until I you know can't talk anymore. Um, I, I like meeting new people, but how else am I supposed to get my story out there if I don't have people like you to help me do it? You know. You are a very uh, dualistic, balanced person. <laughs> <laughs> I try. <laughs> so let's get down to the bone. The bones. What is the Worthy Chaos series? And you said there was seven. Well, we talked about this before. There's seven issues right now. So um, seven issues uh, are are currently out. Uh, that is book one. So book one is issues one through seven. It completes. There's five books total. Um, so right now, book one is done, and the hardcover is actually already made. It's issues one through seven. It's 222 pages, and um, 
It's released, uh, it's about to be released, probably by the time this is aired. Um, it should have already come and gone, probably, but you can also get it on every Kickstarter coming up. I'm one of the few Kickstarters that you can get anything in the past as an add-on. Um, so um, the only reason why uh, I do a couple of uh, um, like exclusives um, is to give people a chance to get it. Like I did the exclusive for the hardcover in, in two weeks because um, I want I have an exclusive Christmas print, you know, for people for Christmas. Um, but uh, so book two is uh, January eighth, which is probably around when this will be aired, uh, and that will start book two, chapter one, uh, and it's the same. It's the story continuing, but in a different environment. So they're moving on to the next stage. Of what they are one through seven is um my characters seraphina who's an angel descendant um and draven who's a demon descendant uh they're trapped in um a town merging with hell uh so it's kind of like a silent hill kind of thing uh and then in book two they travel and they're trying to escape from that town and they get trapped in a haunted asylum where they are now trying to uh, find their way out as they fight against uh giant salamanders vampire chameleon bats and uh zombies with street jackets on so um we've got a lot going on it's it's very uh buffy the vampire slayer meets supernatural and silent hill and the resident evil world with uh good omens and evil dead thrown into it so all right so did they put the uh straight jackets on before or after they became a zombie <laughs> before and you know you're not the only person to ask that but it was before um they were um patients <laughs> asylum um and something happened and someone let them out um and it kind of uh snowballed uh, from there but you know it's really funny because i i'm you know queen of merch and one of my favorite uh merch that i'm known for is plushies and for this book we have three new plushies and we're trying to do new plushies like we have a new song for this book we're trying to do a new song for each book we're trying to do a new plushie for each book um the salamander monster is one of the uh plushies the vampire chameleon bat is another one but my favorite one is the uh zombie in a working straight jacket plushie um so that is that is one of the plushies that you can get uh and it's a working straight jacket because my my plushie creator uh down home textiles asked me if i wanted working or non-working and i was like well i can't do non-working if there's an option for working so there you go you know I get to say that when you said I am the queen of merch, for a split second, I thought you were going to say I have a straight jacket as part of the campaign. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's 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 hardcore right there. Yeah, I actually see it's too bad to have a camera. I actually have a dollhouse miniature um, 1920s replica asylum. And one of them is a tiny little straight jacket with little buckles and everything. So that's I've awesome. got it all. But that's yeah, nice. for for all the campaigns we always have plushies we always have a new plushie we always have handmade statues of anubis and hellhounds and the characters and all that stuff we have 3d statues we have embroidered bookmarks we have coins we have um you know molds and models and and pretty much anything you could think of um because and i get asked this question all the time why do i have so much merch especially being new uh, and I will tell you the answer is because I wanted it and now it's tax deductible because I'm selling it. So <laughs> that is that is why I have so much merch. So so you said that the story is already written. Yep. When a lot of times when you have a, a new creator out there and they make something now, there's always this social media feedback. And sometimes a lot of times they will try to change to adapt to what the audience is receiving. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. Do you find that more difficult because you, it's already done? And you're getting feedback. I, I would hope you're getting feedback. And you're like, well, crap, 
this is how it is. Like, this is, <laughs> this is what's going to be. It's like, um, what was that? How I met your mother, how they had the plan for how I met your mother, how it was going to end, but then the show morphed and people were, were upset by how it ended, but that was the original ending. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, actually, um, it's funny that you should say that. I actually do add in a few things here and there. Uh, it is already written, but when I'm doing the script, um, I did a couple of things differently. One, um, Anubis um, was not a large part of the story. Um, it was just a small part. Um, but when I saw him uh, in the in the issue drawn out, I was like, this is an amazing character. I mean, I've always loved Anubis, but to see him actually, you know, um, so I got him to develop more and I add him to the story. Now he's such an intricate part of the story that people absolutely love him, especially when he's playing, he's playing Fetch for the Hellhound and, um, you know, people love that. But one of the things I did specifically for people is their fathers, which is an angel and a demon, um, they weren't in the series one, they were in series two. Uh, and the reason why I added them was to give the exposition of them being not human because they don't know that they're angel and demon. Um, and I wanted people to know that they were different without being like, oh, this is the angel descendant and the demon descendant. And, um, but no, you have these two fathers that are, you can see them behind the scenes and pulling the strings and and um, showing you why they're after her. You know, they're, they're after Serafina because um, she was created from an angelic weapon that has the power of souls. And if either of their fathers get it, they can tip the scale of the war between heaven and hell in their favor. So her father wants it for a different reason, but he's using the war as an excuse to use heaven's resources. Um, so you have them trying to get this weapon. The only downfall for Serafina is uh, her soul is what powers it. So she has to be killed and her soul put into the device to activate it. Um, but Seraphina and Draven know nothing about this, and they just try to fight against all the things that their fathers throw at them, like the Hellhounds and the Ghosts and the Nubis, and, you know, we have vampires and um, zombies and zombie mermen, and, of course, the Salamanders and zombies and straitjackets. So everything that's thrown at them, you know, is to trap them. They, they can't kill them. They have to be killed in a certain way, which is probably the only reason why they're still alive, because if you kill her the wrong way, you lose her soul or she reincarnates, or she goes to heaven either or. So um, they have, she has to be killed in a, a ritual with a knife that will um, steal her soul and embed it into the weapon. Um, so that it's pretty much, it's down core. It's uh, Romeo and Juliet in hell. And they're, uh, uh, it's a survival, um, you know, horror adventure story, which would make a great horror game. Resident Evil 2 is what got me into writing. So I, one day I would love a survival or a game for my characters because it would fit so perfectly. Um, so yeah, that's something to look forward to. When you're creating, um, there's always a lot of world building. And since you're doing a lot of demons and angels and supernatural stuff, there's rules that people tend to find. But you had a very specific rule that you just had about the how she has to kill people in the ritual. Is that something that you had to think about for a long time? Or was it something that, that, mer uh, that formed over time as you were writing? Um, you know, it... Kind of, uh, it always was there, but it developed a little bit more because, um, and it wasn't on purpose, it just wound up developing over the years um, because what it was is it, they get reincarnated and there had to be somewhat of a risk of them, you know, what's what's the risk to them? If they just die and get reincarnated, they just go again. So what is their, what is their fight? You know, what are, what are they fighting for? And the, and the thing is, um, if Seraphina's soul gets taken, she will never get reincarnated and she will never go to heaven. So Draven would be alone for all eternity and his soul will never be reunited with her. So that is their drive to keep fighting. It's not just to survive. 
it's for their very existence to be able to stay together because they've been reincarnated over the years and, and and they've always found each other and they've always been drawn to each other um and this is an eternity of death there there's nothing um they could do after it happens um so that's their drive so um i think that that was the major thing like well what's the what's the risk here you know hmm. um, and that's a major risk <laughs> so you said you wrote the is the entire story completely written or is there still more to go so series one which is this one redemption is the series one is already completed series two is started there's probably two issues in written um the spin-off which is a what if story um that's series one is already finished and done that's 40 issues and series two is uh um started about two issues in and then the uh prequel is four or five issues in but uh i still have to write the origins which is gonna be uh, a look on how uh, their fathers met, how the feud started, how Serafina and Draven were created, and, and how the weapon was involved and all that stuff, and how Anubis is, is connected into it. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know, but, you know, Anubis is the, the person, well, person, the god that weighs the soul, which is also uh, her father, Remnal, is the um, angel in scripture, which um, would judge the souls on earth and bring them to heaven. And uh, his father, Draven's father, is Aasma, who is a chaos demon who feeds on souls. So they're all connected in this soul um, fight that they, they have going. Um, so that's how they're all connected. But uh, it, it has yet to be written, but it's it's all in my head. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the origins has not been written yet. But I know exactly. Uh, well, I don't think too far ahead when I write. I just sit down and kind of write. But I, I, I have the, the start of what the origins would be. All right, um, so we're almost out of time. We have less than a minute. So quickly, where can people find the book, get all that social media stuff? Go. The, the fastest way to find me is to search anywhere Worthy Chaos. Uh, on Kickstarter, search Worthy Chaos. I'm the only thing that comes up. Search uh, Worthy Chaos on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Worthy uh, Worthy Chaos Redemption. Um, yeah, that's that's the key to finding us. So you'll find us. And with less than 30 seconds to go, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Um. Uh, definitely get into indie comics because they're the most passionate people you will ever meet and it's definitely a much better investment than any mainstream you can get into right now not the mainstream's bad but you'll find the passionate people tell a better story all right well carissa thank you for being a guest on the show the book is where the chaos make sure you guys go check it out much continued success and come back for our next book and with thank that you. we're going to be back with more it came from the radio if you had any honor you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, IndieVolt.com, CentralOregonRadio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.